that's not a takeaway. But it's not a give back. <laughs> Is don't look at your Fitbit stats because it makes you sad. So the objective should never be to have that one book published. It should be to pursue writing. Activate your energy. Welcome to the Activated Authors Podcast, a show where we distill the core principles of what it takes to become a happy, healthy, and productive author, no matter what stage of the journey you're at. I'm your host, Daniel Wilcox. I'm an international best-selling author, as well as an author coach, speaker, and creative entrepreneur. But most importantly, I'm a lifelong student of all things productivity, psychology, and human behavior. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. Without further ado, let's dive in. What is up, Activators? And welcome back to another episode of the Activated Authors Podcast with myself, Daniel Wilcox, and... Oh, the um, ever-forgettable Samantha Frost. Yeah, I think that's the first time I've actually like just left space for you to say your name. Yeah, because you just couldn't, you didn't, you didn't want to say it because that's how much of disdain you have for me. You forgot it's, about me and Mastermind last night, twice. It's just smoother. It's just smoother. You said to everybody today in sprints, did I forget you, Sam? Because I, I do do I have that. a habit of forgetting Sam. But not on the podcast. <laughs> unless you say, unless you use the, you know, the adjective, immemorable. Immemorable, of course, of course. And mm. I really like the work that you've done with printing off and pinning off another logo onto your top this week. So, oh, thank you. Pre- yeah. Appreciate the efforts. Yeah. That's all right. No worries. <laughs> the, uh, the coffee stains managed to come out all right. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes, thank God. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Ready to go. For people on the YouTube, we are presenting <laughs> the actor. My, mine is so, I really need a new t shirt. This is getting quite tatty now. Yeah. Been... And, I, and I'm just apparently presenting my tits, so I shall lower them now. <laughs> I'm going to be watching YouTube to see if that spikes, because if it does, we have a problem audience. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you believe it's been nearly a year and a half of Activated Authors? <laughs> like, not so much the launching, but like in, in the sense of me and you talking about it, because. This week I went back and I was because I've been doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes on some of the activated author stuff. And I was looking at the original kind of like pitch and business plan that I put together. And yeah, it's been like nearly a year and a half now. No. No, right then it hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, it was around um originally the the first conception was i think march time 2021 mm. um and then all of the the wheels started turning around may and into june jesus yeah no wonder i look tired <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy yeah yeah and exciting as well like i said i've gone yeah. through um i went back and looked through like all the old pitch and business thing, just i did for myself more than anything um mm-hmm. but also because obviously we had the people from what was boot camp into the wilkes writers and i was trying to like work out a way to kind of mm. explain to people what my ideas and what my plans are and what this was going to be because obviously like if we want people to transfer over and get on board and you know know what the plan is yeah. um i put it all together and like it's really kind of interesting going back and looking at it all because like we're doing a lot of it yeah and it's following it's following the brief there's there's things that we're expanding on that are on that list that are quite exciting to jump into so yeah a year and a half that's really cool Mm. jesus that's longer than most of my relationships well there you go read into that (laughs) oh yeah no i just get bored (laughs) yeah yeah fair but yeah it's uh it's it's absolutely nuts but um how how are you what have you been working on this week just like more poetry stuff yeah Um, i don't i don't remember where i was last week had i finished it right here recording this podcast yeah well that's true i don't remember if i um finished it last week but i've finished it basically and the edits i'm just i'm going through some kind of like half finished poems so like the main le chonk is um (laughs) is um is done uh yeah so i'm now i'm just kind of going through like half finished ones and just kind of seeing if there is anything that I want to add mm-hmm. uh, so there's a there's a couple of things that have happened recently that um I feel the need to pen um so we'll see I don't know whether they'll be in this book or if that's the start of like a new book mm. I don't know um but yeah so I'm just doing that I've got um my official like handover 
deadline for the proofreader is the 5th of December. So I'm just kind of tying up that um, and then like setting up for recording the audio and stuff. So, yes, um, it's weird because I feel like I've done nothing. Um, But then I look at my folder and I'm like, oh, no, yeah, that's a shit ton of poems that I've edited Mm -hmm. and written in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that's kind of that's really where like my main focus is at the moment, much to everything else I want to do is chagrin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. I mean, kind of on that vein, like, um, uh, this, this week has been, I don't know what the word for it is. Like it has been rewarding, I guess is the best mm. word for it. Cause, um, as people who listen to the show know, like I've had, I had a couple of weeks of burnout. There's been a lot going on behind the scenes and, I ended up sitting down for what was meant to be a 15 minute chat with my business coach on Friday and turned into nearly two hours of his time. God bless his soul. Um, And there seems to be moments in which, and I'm not a woo woo kind of guy, but there are definitely moments in which the universe kind of turns itself over and presents things at the right time. Um, Cause I've got, I, I have a lot of stuff that I can't really talk about too publicly mm-hmm. until they launch um but, yeah and that but you know medications in, in progress so um but <laughs> like yeah i was just i was just incredibly overwhelmed basically like yeah you know it's it's no secret that it's no secret that i do a lot like you know that my kind of attention goes here there and everywhere mm-hmm. um and just a really rewarding chat with my business coach has kind of refocused some of the stuff that i'm working on and really put me in a good position to um see ways to pull things together to streamline to narrow um and really double down on on stuff that i've kind of found it difficult to commit to because of some of the other things i've been doing yeah um just to keep it somewhat you know um yeah explicit <laughs> legally uh acceptable <laughs> yeah yeah but then that that kind of then revolved into some very very difficult conversations that i've had this week with yes. people that i'm very very happy that i've taken mm. um and like to to toot my own horn for like five seconds um like i've had a moment of realizing just how far i've come Mm. and you know where i'm sitting and the opportunities i have available to me and how they wouldn't have been you know the case a year two years three years ago Mm -hmm. and so yeah i think that coupled with the fact that it's now been two weeks that i've regularly been going to the gym and making that somewhat of a routine has really kind of um helped narrow my focus and I, I talk a lot about why you should go narrow and deep on something and the rewards of that rather than um, wide and shallow on a thousand different things. Yeah. And the most annoying part is, and I know this from, you know, being a coach and speaking to authors because I, I say it to people all the time, but like when you're a coach who has a coach and then your coach basically goes, what would you tell your clients? Mm. And you suddenly go, oh yeah, like, I've, I've spoken to you about this this week. It's comparatively the same as like those moments when you're in a bad relationship and you see other people in bad relationships yep. and you're like, well, you know, what would you tell your friend if they're in your situation? And your answer is always, yeah, but this is different. It's not mm-hmm. different. It is not different. No. Like you're, you, you tell yourself a story because it's, it's easier to stay and suffer than it is to yep. make that short, hard decision to, you know, go on and do other things. And it's, you know, yeah. the same with my business and has been. And so, yeah, like I'm feeling, I'm feeling good at where it's at. I've given myself like a real um big bounty of permission to step back from a couple of things for now and you know we'll see <laughs> this is in six months again but for now i am i'm in a good place so yeah there are projects moving ahead there are things i'm working on um at the minute i'm doing a lot of i'm kind of hitting a load of things that have been on my backlist for a long time that are gonna serve the whole in the long run and, and doing mm-hmm. lots of that um and then of course you know we've got we've got our writing camp happening at the minute for people who are participating in NaNoWriMo so we are at a point in which three people have and this is jumping into our wins from the community for this week but three people have already crossed the 50,000 word finish line two of those did it on day 13 was it both of them one did it on 13 yeah Emmy there was Ara we've had Julie cross the finish line and then tonight promises to see Rob uh, Mm -hmm. cross the finish line so people are starting to trickle through with that 50,000 words you know almost two weeks Although we have been having to bitch slap some people. Oh, that's par for the course. Gently. Yeah. Yeah. But it is like, I, 
I think one of the the most fruitful things that I put together for myself for Nano was the roadmap of the ups and downs. Yeah. Because like it, it, I really do believe in it. And I really do, you know, when you say to people, take advantage of that starter energy, fucking do, because it is day mm-hmm. three, it is day four that people start to go like, ah, yeah. nah, and they step back. Um, mm-hmm. And the best thing that I can do to help people, and I've had a few um, calls and things with different authors this week to just try and boil them along. Um, it's just really to get them slightly ahead. Because once you get to a point where you're halfway and you're kind of around that halfway mark in your word count, even if like, you know, by day 15, you're on 22,000 words, you're just under halfway at the halfway mark. And that part of you goes in to go like, holy shit, I can do this. Mm-hmm. And that's when people kind of just run to the finish line. And I love that part. And, you know, mm-hmm. we've seen that with, I won't name names, but we've seen that with a few people at the minute who are close to to handing in the, the towel and then yeah. now just coursing ahead and it's it's really rewarding to see yeah it's funny because um I think it was on Tuesday um someone kind of realized that they were going to hit it um that they were capable of doing it and this person was very like not feeling that way at the beginning and I smiled because I was like this is the exact thing that I was talking about before. The people that are like, I'll do it, but I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And then it's the, oh, I can do it. And I just smiled because <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. You can see yeah. belief, mm-hmm. which is a weird thing to say, yeah. but you absolutely can. Like you can, yeah. like, and, I, and you can um, account for this because <laughs> I won't name names, but before these writing camps kick off, mm-hmm. I will often say to you who I think will 100% do it. Yep. And who is capable of doing it, but needs to find that belief. Mm-hmm. And nine, well, I, nine times out of ten, probably ninety-nine percent of the time, like yeah. I am bang on the money because, again, you can see it. Yes, you, you can. And you can see it in how people speak about it, mm-hmm. what their face looks like, how they're approaching it. Like, um, there's one person that I'm really kind of uh, turning the heat up behind them at the minute because they can absolutely do it, um, but it's a struggle for them at the minute. Mm-hmm. And they absolutely have it in them, but oh, it's yeah. just it's just giving people that kind of kick up the backside to go. Then then yeah. go do it. Like, and half of the time it's really envisioning that finish line. Yeah. And 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 I talk a lot about you know your why, and we've done an episode on why, and I've done episodes on why before because it is so fundamentally important to all of this. Mm-hmm. But like in those conversations, the question always comes back to like, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Because if you're choosing to do this hard thing and you haven't really got like a real motivation, a real end goal with this, mm-hmm. whether that's just proving it to yourself to do a hard thing, whether that's to get a book published, whatever it is, like then it's, it is going to be a struggle. And one of the questions I asked someone um, a few days ago was, how would you feel if you didn't do it? If you knew that you got to the 1st of December and you hadn't tried and you were 30 days ahead, not having done the thing that you keep promising yourself you're going to do. Mm-hmm. like it's not just imagining the highs it's imagining the lows as well because like speaking yeah. speaking Some from my own experience yeah and speaking from my own experience like and you know probably everyone else's as well life goes fast and before you know it, a year's passed two years passed and you've still not done the thing that you said you're going to do and then you're like well the only person that can do this is me so mm-hmm. am i going to do it or not yeah and so the truth is so well, death. <laughs> a lot of the time as well um, and I don't mean this in like a horrible way, but the only person that really, truly gives a shit if you do it or not is you. Mm-hmm. Like you'll have people cheer you on. You'll have people console you. But like then they just get on with their lives because it's not their life. It's not the thing that they said they were going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Some kicks up the asses all around. But yeah, very, very, very proud of uh, how everyone's doing so far. It's all looking, yes. looking damn good. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is your one takeaway from this week? Well, before I go into this, I would just quickly like to uh, say if you are watching on YouTube, I apologise because uh, I've got fluffy hair because it's <laughs> still damp from the bath and I'm real tired um, because I have not been sleeping. I told Dan this actually. I looked on my um, my Fitbit um, stats, if you will, <laughs> because I, I got it for myself for my birthday and uh, I looked at all my sleep and I thought it was five, but it was actually four. Um, since the 28th of March, the arguably the most important day of the year, um, 
<laughs> up until now, I have on four nights um, hit eight hours or more sleep. That's it. For people unfamiliar with the recommended daily sleep allowance, as it were, <laughs> eight hours. Yeah. Um, so in what, seven months, seven and a half months, I've had four nights where I have slept the amount I'm supposed to. So that answers the question why I'm exhausted all the time. Um, yeah. my takeaway for this week is don't look at your Fitbit stats because it makes you sad. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's that I am, how to word it? This is why I should write it down because it's it's always better when I write it down. But mm. I am in a good place. That's kind of she says, like falling asleep. <laughs> um, like I'm in a good place, and life will try you, as it is constantly. Oh boy, will at it! The moment. Um, but my relationship with me at the minute is the best it's been ever i am aware that there are lots of things in my life that i would like to be different but that doesn't affect who i am at my like just at my base at my core um so yeah that's kind of that's kind of where i'm at like there's been some real um, real lows this year. It's been a really, really, like, crucible year. Um, and, you know, it, it looks like it can, it's going to continue to be so. <laughs> but I think as long as I can put my head on the pillow at the end of the night and know that I'm okay with me because I've done the things that hold true to my morality to my beliefs then I think I can continue saying that like I'm in a good place it doesn't mm -hmm. mean that like you know I've put a deposit down for a house or that like my kids getting like a stars and loving everything about his life or that like all of my relationships are fantastic far from most of that um but yeah just to be able to like meet my gaze in the mirror and be like you're doing it you're doing it just keep doing it that's massive yeah mm. that's what my therapist said <laughs> but it's true like at the end of the day you've already mentioned that even in in nana the only person that really cares whether or not you've done it is yourself mm-hmm like you know i even within the camp itself obviously i want people to succeed i want to push people to get there but it's not me that's going to be affected by it if they don't hit it um in a way it is but more so then yeah but like, we can always we can cherry yeah. pick the stats for next year it's fine yeah yeah um <laughs> but like i've i've had that conversation with people before where it's like the the thing that matters most in life is how you feel about yourself in a darkened room mm-hmm because that's what you're going to have. That's the most consistent thing that you'll have in your life is mm -hmm. yourself, where you are in your head. How do you be kind to that person and accept that person and be happy with that person? Yeah. It's no. not always easy. No. But yeah, you just, I think when you can just kind of, even if you don't fully, because you know there's always the question like, who am I? And I've had that for most of my life, but I think the answer is ever-changing. But if you can, like, find those few things that are solid in you, so, like, for example... Gallstones. Gallstones, yeah. Mm. Toothstones. Um, just kind of, for me, it's my... It's my morals. It's my... Compass. I know what I think is okay and I know what I think is not and like when all else fails that becomes my north star mm -hmm. so I think just holding on to something that you know is you and building from there yeah Love that. how about you what's your one key takeaway from this week and do not say food 
<laughs> Challenge accepted. I knew that stump you. Uh, I got a book sent from Amazon. That was nice. That's not a takeaway. But it's not a give back. <laughs> Kablam! My key takeaway, uh, I kind of already mentioned it, is um, I don't think there's any coincidence that the last two weeks I've been consistent with a gym routine and eating better and my just general day-to-day mental health has massively taken a tick upwards. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's so paradoxical that we we sometimes just slip into these periods of um lower than baseline and mm-hmm. when you get into those periods like you know all the things that will make you feel better but you don't you don't do them and you know it's not like i wasn't going for walks it's not like i wasn't like doing bits and pieces but i started going back into to weight training mm-hmm. um just not like i always used to attach an end goal to it like there was always a competition or like a run or something coming up um and honestly, like I listened to a podcast. Oh, what podcast was it? It was a uh, School of Greatness, Lewis Howes, mm-hmm. and it was um. For, uh, we'll we'll try and put it in the show notes, but it was from the last few weeks about uh, changing your relationship with food and exercise and things. And the the big takeaway from that for me was, um. Oftentimes, many of us, and you know, this is painting with a broad stroke. Many of us will diet almost as a form of punishment Mm. you know we restrict the foods that we like because Mm -hmm. oftentimes they're not the healthiest um and we hold on to that kind of discomfort that pain to almost feel like we know we're doing a good job and to punish ourselves for letting us get to the point where we've we've been eating unhealthily enough and that's had a bad effect on our bodies sweat is weakness leaving the body exactly and yeah similarly to exercise like i've i've suffered from it before where i've like you know seeing myself put on a few pounds, go to the gym and I just smashed it really hard and hurt myself mm-hmm. um, and feel like I'm making progress. And like, just, it was just a reminder in that episode that, <clears throat> you know, rather than looking at things as a fix and as a way to hurt yourself or things that you might not be entirely proud of, like view the fact that by doing these healthy habits, it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. like you're doing it because you want to feel good and you're doing it because like in order to have a better life like this stuff will make you feel better so mm-hmm. for me like the last and again like it's early into the journey i'm aware but the last two weeks it's just been a case of i've gone to the gym um i have taken to the routine that i'm on and i've listened to like good music i've listened to podcasts and i always kind of like treat it as a bit of like just a me therapy session just to oh, yeah do the thing and the other thing as well that i'm doing is uh, i'm not overloading and really trying to push to my limit like especially because i'm early on in this again um mm-hmm. i'm allowing my body to get used to the feel of weight and just to adjust to some of the things that i'm doing so yep. you know over time i'll increase things and, and get stronger and things but like the fact is i'm now doing twice a week exercise that i wasn't doing before yep and so that is already a huge improvement in terms of yeah. physical health mental health like all of it so yeah, that's my takeaway is um, just a reminder that like, although these things are universally pushed to us and, you know, we can get sick sometimes of hearing about like the importance of, sorry, Sam, sleep, food, exercise, uh, relationships, all that kind of stuff. Like they really do have a big impact on our day to day. Yes, I can attest. It's almost yeah. like I was writing a book about this at one point. <laughs> I can attest that like not sleeping will have a big impact on your day to day. It sucks. Yeah yeah um and now i guess into the question sam hit it i am assuming that the uh weekly win like you said we we were referencing the nano winners that's the that's our wins for this week yeah absolutely okay 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 so this week's question is i believe why (laughs) is genre so gosh darn important Mm. why is genre important I'm so I used to asking the questions. I ask you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you don't get so, to just repeat the question at me and get me I, to ask I don't, the question. I don't just get to repeat the question at you. <laughs> so the context for this question um, comes from the fact that, so I've been coaching for two and a half, two, two and a half years, I think it is now. Um, and, you know, before that, I've been a writer for like seven years. I've been in this industry. I've worked around writers. I've listened to other writers, how like the process is like, I'm a little bit obsessed um, with trying to understand how writers work. 
because mm. everyone is so different. And um, again, without naming names, I had a conversation with one of our activated authors yesterday. And just, I love those conversations because it really lets me like dig into understanding people's processes and just, there's, there's such a trigger word, <laughs> take a drink, spectrum of different ways to write and how different goals and all that kind of beautiful stuff. Um, and the genre is something I've I've come to come, come back to again and again. And it's something that the more it comes around, just the more fundamental it seems to be to mm-hmm. help writers write their fucking book. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to touch on how I kind of view writing, um, the writing process, particularly for people that might be new to the podcast, I will argue fairly confidently that when someone turns their hand to writing a book and goes, all right, I'm now, I'm going to, I'm going to give this a go. I've never written a book. I'm going to give it a go. See if I can get to the end, go for it. We already know that's going to be a learning book. We already know that there's like a lot of, pieces yeah. that have to move along the way you have to learn about your own writing routine your own habits you have to like you know your own mental health exactly you have to learn about all the different elements of what it is to write a story mm-hmm. um and i would argue nine times out of ten that that first book is going to be what i call a heart book mm-hmm. and a heart book is not a genre book what a heart book is is it, it's a testament to yourself that you can finish a book but at the same time what it also has is a legacy of potentially 5 10 20 30 years of Whatever that desire is inside you that's been going, okay, I'm, I want to write a book. I need to write a book. I'm going to do it this year. Next year, I'll do it this year. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's been long enough now. It's been 10 years. I'm going to write this year. And you eventually get to the point where you sit down and you write this book. Mm-hmm. And because this story has been inside you for so long, there isn't really any attention paid to marketability, commerciality, all that kind of stuff. And rightly so, in my opinion, because yeah. like you have to know that you can write a book before you then write the book in my opinion and this is speaking from someone who you know i wrote um i did write a novella that i just pushed out but that was more of a case of i just wanted to experiment i wasn't looking for any of that my first novel that i wrote was eighty-three thousand words i believe it was um and i stumbled through it i did two drafts i looked at it and i would argue it is thriller mixed with historical mixed with magical realism mixed with a touch of horror like it's it's not it's not a book that i can sell very effectively and so what ends up happening and you know you've seen this yourself with people and like i i, I don't think there's any kind of like hidden secrets a lot of people write their first book stumble into this industry into this sphere and then go okay how do i sell this book mm-hmm. and very quickly they learn that they're met with a wall of genre yeah which is oh, why yeah. this is so important because yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, yeah, and not just, and like, <laughs> not just genre, but like, you know, genres within genres, subgenres, yeah. niche genres. Uh-huh. Like, you know, especially when you're talking to someone that has been doing this for a while, they're like, okay, so you're writing horror. Cool. Is it like paranormal horror? Is it like slasher horror? Is mm-hmm. it like punk splat horror? Is it like, can you just, it's scary. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and oftentimes, not to pick on anyone, but like when people say they've written horror, it's normally fantasy with elements of horror. <laughs> that's which is, it, it, I've got a real chip on my shoulder, but <laughs> that's not what this episode's about. Let's talk about the Amazon child. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't. Um, oh, no. I'm just I'm, I'm staring I'm staring at the platform now going don't you stand on it um <laughs> literally this this is my this is my revenge poke of the bear okay fair I'll take it um but yeah so you're then met with this wall of genre because you've written a book but you've not paid attention to the next step and again rightly so because yeah writing a book is heavy it's hard it's huge and you have to learn the elements of you know your process of character building world mm-hmm. building plot all the kind of fundamentals that go into story so the reason the genre is so important is because by knowing your genre, by being able to push a book into a genre, you're then able to find the readers that will read your book and will appreciate your book. Yeah. And I'm really trying to like step back to some of the fundamentals here before I dive into more of the specifics, but like, why is that important? Because you can put a book out and I've done this myself in which I've written a horror book that I thought was an apocalyptic book. And I've tried to sell that to post-apocalyptic readers and they've not enjoyed it or some have, but it hasn't quite hit where it should. Yeah. And what would be a typical response for someone is, oh, my book is crap. It's not selling. No one likes it. I'm not a writer. The reality of that situation is those aren't the people for that book. 
Mm -hmm. So I repositioned that book, put it into horror. People like it. So, yeah. yeah. So this is kind of where, where genre comes in. So Sam, if I was to say like define genre just broadly, Mm -hmm. how would you define genre? I would define genre as um, the general flavor and world of which your book is set. Mm-hmm. So, you know, is it set in a colorful world where everything ends happily ever after? There is, you know, there's some ups and downs along the way, but everybody knows that this is going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Romance, right? Is it like a kind of moody noir kind of feel where like there's twists and turns and you never know like what's going on or anything like that? Like thriller, like, and then horror. Does everybody die, Dave? Yes. Mm -hmm. Cool. It's probably horror. (laughs) Most of the time. Yeah. (laughs) Are there elves? It's probably fantasy, but it's just, it's it for me. It's, it's just like a category, like, like you go into any shop for anything like say if you're like oh I really fancy some fruit cool like are you after like berries do you want like vine fruit are you looking for fruit from a tree like like (laughs) you you know like do you want to be able to eat the entire fruit or do you like peeling skin or Mm -hmm. spitting out endless seeds pomegranates what the fuck anyway um it is literally just it's a category so that when the shopper comes in they know they know what they want and they're like, okay, cool. And they're, you know, say if they want a banana, they're not going to be happy spitting out pomegranate seeds. Mm-hmm. It doesn't peel as easily and you can't just eat it. There you go. Much like most books. <laughs> I'm so good at metaphors and analogies. But yeah, but no, you fit on, you fit on two very, very key parts of that. Number one, categories. So mm-hmm. the most, in, why, why genre is important is because if you were to walk into a, into a bookstore, where would you place your book so that the readers who have walked into that shop knowing what they want will be able to find it mm-hmm. in its most simplest form? That's what we're doing. Whether it's digital, whether it's physical, that's the whole point of a genre. All it is, is a category. It's a label so that readers know what kind of stuff that they'll like. And if they pick up a book, they're more likely to like it than something that's mm-hmm. mislabeled. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's what we do with genre so you know you've kind of touched on a few of them already but like some of the the top main genres you've got like thriller you've got romance you've got fantasy you've got horror you've got sci-fi um you've got there was another one that was incredible totally slipped but yeah so just as like broad top shelf genres when you walk into a shop that's what you find i mean also including obviously like non-fiction and you go into like cookery and art and all that kind of stuff but like those are kind of top shelf um genres and the reason why, because you probably tell I've been doing a lot of deep diving in on this lately. Um, <clears throat> one of the most powerful parts of knowing what your genre is before you begin to write, mm-hmm. and I'll, we'll circle back to that, is knowing your genre can shortcut a thousand decisions yep. on how to write your book. Um, when you write your heart book, and speaking from my experience again, like, there are so many hard decisions to make along the way. Like, is it first person? Is it third person? Am I going to do this in past tense or present tense? Like how many characters I'm going to have? Where's it going to be set? All of that stuff can be given to you when you know your genre. Yep. Because by averages, most genres, and we'll kind of touch on subgenres in a minute, mm-hmm. but most genres have some kind of formula yep. that you can write your story in. So if I were to say to you, Sam, Tell me what an epic fantasy book looks like. Okay, so epic fantasy books, um, you would usually find them in third person. Mm-hmm. They're normally written that way, like in the past tense, as if it has happened. Um, and it would normally be with a more like, um, oh, is it omniscient? So like yes. head hopping, um, because it normally starts like with a very narrow focus and then blows out. Mm-hmm. So but you like, explore as, the world. Exactly. As so you explore the world, you explore the different parties, and and by doing that, then you can explore all of the different um worlds, cultures, creatures, all of that. There's a lot of law involved. Um, and you usually find like a very kind of like a three-act structure. Um, very I mean, I one could argue three-act structures, just story in general, but like yeah. 
I mean, Lord of the Rings, look at that, is literally, he literally wrote it in three. It's one book, but he wrote it in yeah. three. Sections. It was forced to split, wasn't he, because of his publisher? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His publisher went, the book's way too long. We're going to do yeah. three. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where's the Hobbit milk, Jacob? <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so like, if you look at that, like we start, we start very kind of, insular in hobbiton you've got frodo you've got sam and obviously there's there's uh bilbo there as well um and it's very much like this is the normal world they often follow like a hero's journey mm-hmm. um or or the um heroine's journey as well is becoming a lot more popular um mm-hmm. in higher epic fantasy um you will see magical creatures you like you must see magical creatures you must see like different races and different worlds that's just what people expect they are usually like i say they're set in the past not just in the tents but like in some kind of like middle earth like you know they've got swords and horses and that kind of thing very medieval film yeah basically um like it's it's very like um what's the word i'm looking for it's like it's pre-industrial most of the time and yes. a lot of the time the threat is something kind of industrial or mm-hmm. something that will interfere with that but we always start very rural with mm-hmm. like you know the people and then well, most of the time and then it kind of like blows out that is what people expect they expect for it to take a long time to read they expect to have to like reread things and stuff and not only do they expect it they want it yeah because you don't was talking about this last night like Mm -hmm. there's no such thing really as a casual epic or high fantasy reader because there's so much work that goes into it and you're so invested that like you will read tomes about Mm -hmm. like the world and the things because you know that's that's what you want as opposed to like for example horror dan which is you, you give us some some horror Hold on, before we jump to that, before we jump onto that, dig a little bit further. So obviously you've got you've got done a lot in terms of like the world building and how all that Mm -hmm. kind of feels. If I were to say to you, are the chapters long or short? Long. Are the books long or short? Oh long. Um are the casts big or small? Big. These decisions have been made Mm -hmm. by the genre already. So it's rare that you're ever gonna jump into an epic fantasy and see like three people take on the world. And rarely anyone else. Yeah. So, so knowing all of that, as you say, you've already extracted a crap ton of information mm-hmm. to answer a load of questions of how do I write this book? Yeah. Um, horror. Well, again, kind of like depends on your sub subgenres, but generally there is a very omnipresent feel of threat. You never mm-hmm. quite feel safe reading a horror. Um, there's often very gloomy, dark scenes. Although sometimes they can use light scenes to contrast those and really, you know, dig the heels in and, and make them sing. Um, Typically, it, it kind of goes back and forth, but typically a lot of third person. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of male protagonists, although that is changing somewhat in the genre, which is very, very nice to see. Um, chapter lengths tend to be sort of around medium-ish length, I'd say, anything from 2,000 to 4,000 words. Mm-hmm. Um, the prose isn't too dense, depending on who you read. So like in fantasy, as you say, you have to reread some stuff, like it's very dense. Yeah, um, yeah, it's uh, often third person. Um, oh, what's the word? I've forgotten the op- uh, opposite of omniscient now. Third person it's limited. No, third person <laughs> limited. So often, like, it's in third person, someone's telling that story, but it's kind of still within that character's head. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's there's lots you can extract from that. Like, again, like, there's lots of novellas you can write in horror if you want to go down that route, but novels tend to be anywhere from sort of maybe 40 to 70,000 words, depending on the sort of... Yeah. And do they have happy endings? No, rarely. No, no, there's always happy endings will are relative and tend to come more at the expense of the character. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the evil can be defeated, but it leaves a lasting scar. Yeah. Tends to be horror. Um, or somewhere everything is just shit. (laughs) Yeah. And then again, like jumping over into a third genre, if you look at thriller. Which you could which you could argue is a very close, like a lot of people would um like say that's like a close relative of horror because there's a lot of like suspense it's, just, it's suspense which is the linking yeah. feature there yeah 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 like the chapters whoo, so mm-hmm. short yeah because yeah 
like turn the page you expect with thrillers to have some kind of again depending on like subgenres and things like mm-hmm. either th- there has to be like a character that is like an investigator now they don't have to be legal like legally an investigator so not like a police officer or something like that but the the main like character that you follow which is usually the character mm-hmm. like you can often find thrillers in first person um because it's like a lot more direct it's a lot more quick you're there it's fast it's fast it's fast it's fast they will they're on a journey of finding out what the fuck is going on so whether that is a police officer or a detective or it's like a wronged husband or mm-hmm. it's a woman in threats um or a, you know a pi or, or whatever you you're following their story and you're discovering the things as they are discovering them so they're mm-hmm. very often present tense in that person's head mm-hmm. um and like you know you you're supposed to feel the shock as they feel the shock like you expect twists and turns mm-hmm. and the end you expect a resolution yes it doesn't have to be a happy ending mm-hmm. um but you expect to like find out what the fuck has been going on um most people would expect to be shocked by that mm-hmm. like you know if you're reading a thriller like it's not it's not really a great thriller if at the end it's like it was bob oh bob <laughs> the person that we saw in the very first scene that was like i done it holding just wiping his knife <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> just wiping his wife off his knife mm. i done it yeah <laughs> it was bob oh fucking hell that well that's like 300 pages i'm never getting back yeah yeah um, there's um <laughs> just very very tangentially <laughs> on that point there's a, a fantastic um sketch from david mitchell and robert webb on uh, i think it's that mitchell and webb look which is i believe they call him like the the passport or the photograph killer or something and it's literally a killer who's standing there just like presenting fingerprints and stuff and they're like oh i am stumped and he's literally <laughs> like, oh let's have a look at what we've got well we've got his photo we've got his driver's id we've got his blood type oh but we can't catch him and it's yeah it's, it's fantastic the selfie with the corpse comedy playing on the inversion of tropes <laughs> yes there you yeah. go but yeah, like the amount of information from those three genres just extracted that, mm-hmm. you know, if you're sat down and going like, I want to write a story and you're not thinking thriller, but you're you're like, I want to write some kind of mystery story. Like mm-hmm. you're already funneling yourself down that track. Yeah. Um, and and so if we dig a touch deeper into um, subgenres yeah. and then again, kind of really drill into, I, I think the point is being made of why this is important, mm-hmm. um, but then sort of look at uh, some more applications. But like, so we've mentioned obviously epic fantasy yep. and the tropes that come from that mm-hmm. um epic fantasy is a subgenre yes. of fantasy so broadly as you say like fantasy you know there's magic there's creatures there's all that yes. kind of good stuff it's all very very fictional rarely rarely happens in the modern world mm-hmm. unless you're writing in urban fantasy yeah or or like magic realism which is arguably kind of urban fantasy but i think yeah. Like you could argue, Gaiman is uh, magical realism. Mm. It's a little bit more elevated. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. So your your overarching genre, fantasy. Mm-hmm. Within that, there are going to be a ton of niches, a ton of sub niches, like all yeah. that kind of stuff. So, and readers while... don't generally transfer. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. If you've got someone reading urban fantasy, it's very unlikely they're or not very unlikely, but quite unlikely they're going to jump into like epic fantasy and you know because i and, and speaking from you know someone that's written across like horror and then apocalyptic which i had zombies in um they were apocalyptic fans like if i wrote a horror with zombies they probably wouldn't like the apocalyptic that i wrote with zombies which is yeah bizarre but you know it, it is what it is and it kind of makes sense tropes um, and it's the subgenres yeah sorry yeah and we'll absolutely we'll, we'll do an episode on tropes because i think that's like, yeah, 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 huge. yeah um but the thing that I say a lot to people, which I don't think really makes sense until you kind of like experience some of this is readers want the same, but different. Yep. And, you know, ask anyone that you see who you're like, oh, what do you read? It's like, I read romance and you dig into it deeper. I'm using my mom's example here, but like Danielle Still, like she will gobble up a Danielle Still book and arguably on the surface level, they're all the same story, mm-hmm. but they're not because they've got different characters and whatnot, but like they're the same story. So readers, a lot of the time, they want the comfort of knowing what to expect in the sense of you know the narrative point of view the tense um the and world the building the characters yeah like yeah. the general ebb and flow of that story but they want the difference of feeling like they're connecting with slightly different characters and going on a slightly different journey so it's almost like this safety net of reading a story because again like if you were to read um lee child and then mm-hmm. to read uh margaret atwood mm, very different 
they're both stories and like we can go into we won't this episode but we can go into like how the stories as you mentioned before like acts one two and three they're the same mm-hmm. but they're absolutely not when you read them <laughs> because of how they're presented all these kind of specifics so second preacher and, and off-road is slightly oh different. yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's just what pops his mind um but circling that background so when you write that first book oftentimes as i say is the heart book yes. you write it you get to the end and then you suddenly hit this point of struggling to go like how the fuck do i market this and you have two options really first option is look at genre okay see yeah. see what it's closest to see what you like because you've written a story that you're very attached to mm-hmm. do you want to mold this and squeeze this into a package that then will fit to a reader that's a question for you to answer not mm-hmm. you royal you <laughs> um do you want to do that because you know some don't i didn't i as i say like that first book lives in a drawer because it served its purpose it taught me that i could write a book mm-hmm. um well the alternative is as i say put it down mm-hmm. start again this time with the knowledge that you've learned from that first book to make something more commercial something a bit more easier to sell to agents to publishers to the readers if you choose to self-publish like no matter mm-hmm. which route you go down um I think I think that's one of the, like probably the toughest lessons to learn as a writer, and I think that's something that I, I I see people struggling with a lot because, as I say, like that first book can be ten, twenty, thirty years of want. Yeah, and you get to the end, you're like, oh my god, I finally wrote a book, I finally did it. Now what? Oh shit! Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think as I think as well, like it, it's it's worth noting that, like you say, when when most people sit down to write the book their mm-hmm. heart book no one's thinking about selling it like yeah. they're thinking about like the romance of the fact that they're writing a fucking novel they're thinking about the next time they see like auntie jane they can be like fuck you auntie jane i'm writing that book mm-hmm. you, that you asked me about every christmas like yeah i'm writing it i am a writer like how's the devil going brian yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure it's gonna be great oh, it's gonna be like, great <laughs> Like, you know, and just being able to, like, say that makes you, like, feel a bit better about yourself, a bit, all of the rest of it. And then you get to the end and you're like, oh, okay, cool. I've written the book. Do what? What? what okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do now. And, like, you know, once you get past edits and things, should you choose to do mm-hmm. all of that, then, yeah, it is that thing of, like, okay, so do I... Do I want other people to care about this or am I happy putting this in in the drawer um and I think as well like often like you said your first one is like a mix of like genres and things Mm -hmm. people you know you write what you know and I don't necessarily mean the story I mean the tropes that you use the things like if you are you know someone that like devours romance and high fantasy you'll find that like you've merged them Mm-hmm. in in your writing and yeah so I think it is just a case of like you say you get to the end and you make that decision and you absolutely can like squish it squash it and, and put it into a shape that is honestly digestible to other people mm-hmm. um or or you can be like you know put it in a frame big big frame um yeah and and move on and also just something um that i'd like to touch on is that because i had this for a long time when i was first writing like this idea of it being commercial and like making sure that you know you can sell it and all that kind of stuff if you are wanting to make money in any like whether it's like you want an extra tenner a month or you want to be like the world's number one bestseller or anything in between like an audience of readers is essential for for that goal and it's not about selling out it's not about like dulling your creativity it's about saying okay I want to serve these people and this is the story that I've got and this story is awesome and amazing and I love it and I think it fits here possibly there it's just it's about like just narrowing down to the point of okay what do i want this story like where where does it go on the shelf what do i want it to say and once like you know that that's genre mm-hmm. it's not about having to write like carbon copies of every other thing and when dan says the same but different like 
the Bible and Star Wars, you could argue, are the same but different. Very fucking different. Hmm. But the same but different. It's not, you know, you know, you don't have to literally copy and paste the same book and just change the names. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just have to be, no, this <clears> one owns a perfume shop, not a bath bomb shop. Like mm-hmm. it, like it can be that because there are books like that and readers will devour them. Yeah. But it doesn't have to impact, nor should it impact on your creativity or the story that you want to tell it's just about making sure that it's clean and it works and that when mm-hmm. readers get it the right readers get it mm-hmm. that they like love it yeah i think is the best yeah way. and in marketing we call that positioning it's just where and it, it's that same principle you've got a product where are you going to put it so that the right people find it and it serves in the right way yeah um and as you say i don't want it to be i don't want it to come across disenchanting because again like writing a book is a lot of work mm-hmm. um and there are people that have made success from their first book the the thing that i try and get across to people when they jump into this this biz is that i i try to teach and show the path in which you have the greatest success statistically on how to make it as an author because a lot of people you know you write a book and you're not just happy with that you want to be an author you want to be a published author and put your book out there and there are options left right and center to do that the common denominator among all of them, if you're self-publishing, and we've spoken about this before, like again, again, like you're going to need a backlist. Mm-hmm. So you're not just writing this first book. You're writing another book and another book and another book, which means you have a chance every time. Yeah, I see Chase just poking his head out of you, do they? <laughs> but you have opportunity after opportunity to put a book out and to grow that backlist and to learn and to get better as a writer. Like mm-hmm. that one book isn't a determiner of whether or not you're good. No. And similarly to, if you're pursuing agents or traditional publishing, like I use Josh Malaman's example from when we chatted on like great writer share eons ago, it seems um, he had like 30 books written before he mm-hmm. pitched and got bird box published and then turned into a movie and all that kind of stuff. Like he wrote books cause he loved them. And by the time that he had mm-hmm. like 30 books, he was like, well, I might pitch a few of these. Mm-hmm. And you know what's interesting about that? your odds increase when you've got quite a few books. Yeah. Like, because a, an agent or a publisher might suddenly go like, we like you, but this book isn't quite for us. What else have you got? So the objective should never be to have that one book published. It should be to pursue writing. Yeah. Well, it's the same as like, if you make art, as in like painting. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one of the first things you have to realize is what kind of paintings do you do because there's a big difference bad ones like, <laughs> like picasso and monet yes you know um between i'm trying to think of hang on let, let's see if i can make myself look smart here between uh van gogh and uh tchaikovsky that's a composite <laughs> <laughs> nice try though i thought i'd buy um, some time thank you um the 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 Don't feel like you. Charlie, thank you. God, I was like the 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 mustache clock guy. Yes. Um, (laughs) like there's huge differences, and the audiences are different. Mm -hmm. But like, you don't you don't pick up a pencil or a paintbrush and do one thing and be like, "Cool, (laughs) dream achieved, I'm done," or be like, "Oh, that's shit. I guess Mm -hmm. I can't do this." Yes. You don't like bake a cake for the first time or make bread. It's probably a better example because cakes are yeah. relatively easy. Bread's a tricky mistress. Um, and be like, oh, I'm a shit baker. No, you go again. Like, yeah, it's quicker to make bread than write a book, arguably. Mm. Um, but yeah. it's it, yeah, don't judge, don't judge the results of your first life as mm. like what it's always gonna be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So bring it around in conclusion. Um, for a reader, a genre is the category of that book that makes it easier for a reader to find books that they're going to love. Yep. Like it's the very reason when I walk into Waterstones, I, ne- I go straight to the horror shelf. Mm-hmm. Like there might be some awesome breeds that have some dark themes in other bookshelves, but I go to horror because that's where I know as a reader that I'm more likely to find a book that I'm going to like. Yeah. For an author, it's a sequence of suggestions and guidelines on how to write a success, successful book within that genre. Because that's not to say that, you know, there are there aren't thriller books that are in third person or there aren't fantasy books that are in first person, no. but they're definitely the exception, not the rule. Yes, and, and it's often people that know the rules that can break them. 100%. Like, you have to, if you're a musician, and this is one of the really weird things that I've come across between, um, like, indifferences of art, but, like, if you're a musician, the first thing that you do is learn to play note by note, 
and then you play other people's songs and learn how to play their songs before you even think of composing oh god yeah because and i won't go too deep into this but because like educational systems obviously writing's pretty critical to a lot of what we do yeah there's just this assumption that because you've written some stuff that you can just jump into a book and write it and the truth is that like those first few books you're likely going to just be emulating other people and like you say you have to know the rules and the guidelines well enough to then be able to play with them and make that that masterpiece of your own um so yeah just by looking at genre and trying to shortcut uh try again by knowing a genre you can shortcut a lot of Mm -hmm. the misery that you know i've experienced myself in you know writing things that are then like not used or just kind of like struggling along the way and Mm -hmm. and if that is you you're 100% not alone in this because I, I do think this is very very um it's just something I see a lot of yeah and it's something that if you can really nail down look into and be confident in your genre before you start you will mm-hmm. save yourself months of possibly years of of heartache and trial and error yeah um and if you have fallen into that trap don't like don't feel targeted or attacked by this episode oh, just, god no like you know we all go down that journey and i'm I'm myself and one of them like you when you wrote your first book it wasn't intended for a commercial audience and now no. you've been like tweaking and doing lots of things oh, to find that genre yeah um we all do it i think it's yeah. just part of the process but if you can in some way give it some consideration before you begin mm-hmm. you'll help yourself a lot along the way yeah big time mm-hmm. beautiful okay well we'll round it off there um I've I've just got I need to work out a way to thread these seamlessly into the episode. But if you would like a some useful resources for um, genre and understanding market, you might not want to yet. That's fine. Um, but I'll just quickly plug on the end of this that uh, you can look into programs like Publisher Rocket is a fantastic um, program mm. that lets you look into what genres are not only what genres are selling, but if you go if you want to find out you know what dark fantasy books there are out there or you know if you, there's a particular author that you like that you're like i like their books but i don't know what genre they are you can type mm-hmm. them and look it up it's a really good tool for researching specifically amazon yeah. um and then there's a services like kalytics is another one mm-hmm. um oh, there's another one that i cannot off the top of my head but if i remember it, i'll, I'll frame it to show notes um and then obviously you can always just go on to storefronts or you can look in bookstores to see what's selling how they're categorized um Genre can become a bit of a rabbit hole if you go too deep. Oh god, yeah. So I would say focus primarily on a genre and a subgenre if you can. Yeah, like a main subgenre. Yeah, without falling into niche. And one, and I know that this could lead to a very like long drawn out conversation. So I'm gonna like pull it back before we both get into it. Okay. Um, but also as you're determining your genre, try not to fall into a um a narrowing of YA, NA adult oh. that whole spiel because that is there but that's personally in my opinion that's not genre that's the different sort of classification system we can mm-hmm. probably go into that on an episode because yeah. i think it'd be a lot to talk about there but yeah, yeah fo- fo- focus primarily on the genres rather than those sort of classifications for now yeah and yeah. just very very quickly while you're in that bookshop and you're looking at the genres and stuff just grab a coffee Sit down, speak to Ethel, see what's going on in the crosswords. (laughs) But I was just going to say, keep a weather eye on the covers of the genre that you're looking at. And again, won't go into Uh, that now. But like mentioned, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, because you'll see, you'll see similarities and trends Mm -hmm. and stuff. There's a reason why, you know, traditionally published books every like decade or so, depending on how popular they are, get Mm. recorded. Yes. Um, because of trends and things. But yeah, it's just it's just worth keeping an eye on um for when you get to that stage mm-hmm. of like wanting to yeah. Yes. I think we've got a conversation on book covers coming up soon. Yeah. Um but yeah, we'll leave it there for this week. Uh just a reminder for people that we have a 30-day free trial with activated authors available. So if you want to jump onto Zooms with myself and with Sam, get access to our monthly AMAs and expert panels as well as and like all awesome the- community. Well, yeah, the awesome community, of course. Absolutely, <laughs> of course. Um, then head on over to activatedauthors.com and you can sign up there for 30 days for free with no commitment, cancel whenever. Um, and yeah, I think that brings us to the end of it. So I'll say a massive thank you to you, Sam, and you, the listeners, for tuning in. We appreciate you and the time you choose to spend with us each and every week. And as always, if you're looking to level up your writing and activate your author career, head on over to activatedauthors.com to find out all about our community, our resources, and everything else we've got going on. One more time, we will see you next week. Goodbye. Ciao. (laughs) Activate your energies.